This podcast is a production of Phoenix Media. Explore more episodes of this show and other great shows on the Phoenix Media Podcast Network by visiting phoenixmedia.us. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the company or its advertisers and may contain language that's unsuitable for younger listeners. Welcome to the Doggish Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to dog parents and the topics, events, and personalities impacting their lives. I'm Sylvia West, certified dog trainer, pet expert, and dog mom over at Dog Up in This Bitch. And today I am joined, well, you know, like I am every single time, by my co-host, Jason Arias. I decided to uh, jump. I, 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 it was a morning for me, so like I, I made it just in time. So you, just, yeah. yeah, you did. You just like, you're like, Rrr. you like, you're like skirt, skirt, right in, right at the, right at the end there. <laughs> no, but um, today we had Larissa wall on our show, who is an incredible rescuer, foster mom, dog mom, Hallmark channel host producer. She's so fun. And she just talked to us about her her fun childhood growing up with basically like a menagerie. Every, of yeah, everything from a wine, a bird, uh, a cat named George and leading all the way to Hallmark so television rabbit. shows. It's so cool. <laughs> very cool. So it was a very, very fun interview. We can't wait to share it with you. So let's get started with Larissa wall. Let's go. Did I, um, did I gather that you're on the, on the left coast with us? So, yes. Yeah, so right now I actually live in California, but right now okay. I'm visiting my boyfriend here in Nashville. So, um, so I'm, you know, I, I keep laughing saying I'm bi-coastal right now. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, technically, but... <laughs> I mean, Nashville is booming right now. Um, I actually have a lot of clients who moved out there who like are in production because I guess they're doing a lot more production work out there. Yeah. And you can still buy, which is nice. I mean, house prices have definitely gone up out here, but in comparison to LA, wow, it's still a pretty pretty big jump. Although it's interesting because now you have to make reservations at the restaurants, things like that, that to Mm -hmm. us or to me in LA are kind of a a no-brainer. For for locals, they're like, what is, this is a different world. You used to be able to walk anywhere. So yeah, it's it's a boom, which is cool in a way. And I think the locals are not too happy about it. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, what can you do? (laughs) We're used, in in LA, we're used to gentrification. So I think we're just like, this is just how it happens. Your city's cool now. You're welcome. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. You now have a bagel shop that will make you wait two hours in line. Aren't you so excited? You have made it. You're on the map. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> That's so funny. It's, yeah. I mean, it's such a, uh, a different world we live in over here. Um, yeah. I was actually right next to you. I just got back from Kansas City, Missouri. Oh. Yeah, we're producing an event out there for um, like for animal welfare, but it'll be benefiting Haas. I don't know if you're familiar with them. Um, 
Okay. Yeah, Haas is great. So we'll talk to you more about that. Okay, um, great. Yeah. See if you want to get involved. But I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So the world is your oyster today. This is your interview. So um, I know you're big into senior dogs and big into the rescue community. Despite so, the puppy shirt that we have on right now. <laughs> See, what did I just say? <laughs> I just said they need to make one that has puppies crossed out and seen, says senior dogs. I do have some senior dog shirts too, but I love all animals. So puppies, you know, just drive yes. me crazy, but they're adorable. <laughs> so you do a lot of fostering too, yeah? Yes, I do a lot of fostering. Um, so I'm happy to talk about anything really. You know, my backstory, fostering. Uh, I would love. I would love to know what kind of inspired you. Like one of my more fascinating parts of hearing these stories is how somebody's journey. Where at the did beginning. you come from? Where did you go? Yeah, like like <laughs> like sometimes they're very similar, and other times they're very different. Um, yes. and so like, I, I love hearing how people just got into the animal community. Absolutely. I'm happy to talk about that. Do you want me to start now? Love uh, it. You already did start. Okay, cool. <laughs> well then let's go. Um, so yes, so I, I have kind of an interesting story in terms of how I kind of landed where I landed. Um, growing up, my mom, who was from England, was a big animal lover. And according to her, growing up in England, anytime she rescued or had an animal, her dad, who she always claimed was a bully, would get rid of the animal, wouldn't let her keep it. So she always wanted more animals. Um, and so when she moved to the States and we, you know, my parents bought a house and I was born, um, she started collecting animals. <laughs> I like the word collecting. Yeah. When it's I say collecting, <laughs> she really was, you know, a rescuer before it was kind of, there was a title for it. Um, you know, we would go to a shelter on any given day and intercept someone walking in with a, you know, a, a cage of a mom cat and four kittens. All of a sudden they were coming home with us. Um, if there was a stray dog on the road, we were always stopping and, you know, knocking on doors and figuring out what we could do. We had a local paper called the acorn and every week there would be a pet of the week. And so, you know, if it was a rabbit or something, we didn't have a ton of dogs because just, it just didn't fit our lifestyle then because my mom was all over the place and my dad worked all day and I was at school, but rabbits, birds, cats, you name it, they would, you know, be brought into our home. And so that was kind of normal to me. I just, that was what I knew. And I always like to tell the story about when we did go to a shelter and actually get to kind of walk in and maybe pick out a new pet because, you know, we had room for no more, but what, that never stopped us. Um, we would, you know, look through the kennels. It was usually in the cat room. And I would always be drawn to the cute little fluffy kitten that, you know, was just this adorable little nugget. And my mom would say, you know, no, because someone else will adopt that one. You know, we're going to go home with this 18 year old cat with one eye, one leg, mm -hmm. you know, missing fur, <laughs> can't hear, can't see and might, you know, pass on in a month or two. That's the one we're taking home. And as oh a little gosh. kid, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's not exactly what I, you know, was thinking, but OK. And, you know, I'm very thankful to her now for instilling in me that whole kind of value of the, you know, always helping the ones that truly need it most, because we know, you know, in rescue, not every rescue animal is 
mm-hmm. alike. You know, a lot of times the kittens, the puppies, the really cute, fluffy ones will fly off the adoption floor, whereas the seniors, the behaviorally challenged, the medical challenge, you know, whatever it may be, the ones that just aren't that cute, uh, they're all cute to me, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that have the hardest time. The and ones so that don't the- photograph well. Exactly. Exactly. Those are the ones I gravitate to. And so at the time I didn't love it, but now I'm very grateful for her instilling that in me. Um, and then I went. So to- how old were you like going through this? Like, cause I mean, that, that's an interesting experience for, yeah. for younger kids to, to grow and adapt to learning that there's an animal that they could lose in a relatively short time. Oh yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, all the way, I don't know that we had, I'm trying to think, I think we got our first set of kittens when I was maybe five or six. And then from there, and one actually got hit by a car because that was back in the day where you didn't know so much about keeping cats indoors as you do now. And they loved being outside. So we always had, you know, indoor, outdoor cats. And one of them unfortunately got hit by a car and it was so traumatizing, but I was so young and looking back, I think, God, that was horrible, but it did, it did kind of um, teach me, I guess, obviously a lesson in caring for your animals, but also that, you know, you're their protector as, sure. as a pet parent because things happen. And so, yeah, it was probably a little traumatizing as a young kid, although I didn't look at it that way in the moment, obviously. Um but yeah, we had so many come through our doors that would sometimes they would get adopted, you know, if, if it wasn't. I mean, we had a few that didn't get along with our cats already. And so my mom would look for a home for them. So it was just kind of part of the fabric of my childhood, kind of cut them coming in, them leaving. You know? mm-hmm. and, and it didn't bother me back then. But but yeah, I never thought about it in the moment. Um, but yeah, I would say probably everywhere from six to gosh, probably 16, you know, that time period was a lot of animals coming in and leaving either, you know, passing away or being rehomed or, you know, whatever it may be. Is there one in particular that you remember? Oh gosh. Yes. Well, one that stay, well, there, I mean, there, there was, (laughs) There was one cat named George that I loved this adorable orange fluffy kitten that grew up with us for a few weeks. And then my mom found a home for it because we had so many kittens at the time. And I was devastated because I loved him, but he went on to find a great home. But I just remember waking up in the morning and seeing him by my bed and like this outline of him. It was one of those with like the back shadowing or whatever it's called. And it was like, oh, I love this boy so much. But I also knew that we had so many that, you know, finding a home for him was a good thing. But oh my God, he was wonderful. And then I remember my mom got into her head that she wanted a minor bird. What's a minor bird? It's a black bird that you can teach to talk. Okay. And she had one growing up in England. I mean, yeah, that was, I didn't know anything about minor birds, except she, she wanted to get a minor bird and teach it to talk. So we ended up, mind you, my dad was not an animal person. So every animal that got brought into our house was snuck in. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and of course, that's a really wait, wait, wait. hard secret wait, to keep. I, I know. Like, was there like a room where dad just wasn't allowed to go? Like, I'm going to go in here. No, no, no. That's my office. Stay it's away. Because so it sounds like Dr. Doolittle in there. He would come down every morning the way our house was positioned. He would walk down the stairs. And my mom had built a little because then she got into rescuing rabbits and one rabbit and two rabbit turns into 18 rabbits really quickly. Really quickly. Um, so he, and so we had this little side run that she kind of, you know, built up to be the, the rescue rabbit run. And he would come down and stand by the window inside the house and look into the run and count every single morning to make sure we hadn't stuck <laughs> more. Um, and yeah, there were all, oh, bless your dad's heart. <laughs> And he was allergic to cats. And I'll never forget this one fight he and my mom got into. And I was probably maybe nine, eight or nine, because I remember the friend that I was best friends with at the time. So it was probably eight or nine. And I remember hearing them fight about something. And all of a sudden, my dad said, it's me or the cat. And my mom said, the cat. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember just kind of like, uh, <laughs> what do I do? I mean, she made it really clear where he stood. I am pro this conversation. Yes, God <laughs> love him. Oh my God, he put up with a lot. And so the minor bird. I just remember my mom taking me to some, like I don't even know office building. We met this guy. She got the minor bird. It was like this undercover operation. We took him home. We had him for, you know, not long before my dad discovered there was a bird in the downstairs room. And then we were going away about a month later. And we my mom found a bird store nearby that would take him and watch him and care for him while we were gone. We were gone for a couple of weeks and we got back and the poor minor bird. I don't know what had happened. It was not doing well and had to be put down really quickly. And I remember that, obviously not the happiest of stories, but I just remember the turmoil of saving this bird. And then, you know, my mom knew we were going out of town, but it didn't matter. We were going to save this bird and then that happening. So that's obviously a story that I'll never forget and taught me a lot at a, at a young age regarding, you know, trying your best, but also knowing kind of your limits Mm-hmm. And and what's going to be best for the animal, um, because I think my mom had just taken on too much. Um, and then I'll never forget one other story where. OK, again, wait, hold on, hold on. We yes. have to take a quick break. <laughs> yes. But one other story when we get back. I feel like this is just going to. And then one other story. And then one I love other it. story. <laughs> We can just come right back. So, okay. okay. So let's hear this. Yeah. So we've learned we've about, about George the and the mind bird. By the way, I did Google a minor bird. It is like this little black bird with a mohawk. Very yeah. cute. It's, yeah. it's, if you want to also, if you're like following along, you're like, I need a mobile bird. It's M Y N A minor bird. Um, okay. So let's hear, let's hear this. Now we've moved the minor bird. We lost the minor bird. Yes. And you know, there's beloved bird. Beloved bird. And I was she had been talking to me about how we were going to get this minor bird to talk and sing. And the poor thing passed away. Never got a word out. 
Oh my God. That was okay. morbid, Jason. What? <laughs> what did you say? Jason? He's like, he never got a word out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, rest in peace, Mina Bird. We called him Moisha. He was Moisha the Mina Bird. <laughs> um, okay, last story on this note. My mom, again, had, had found some woman who had, I think, two rabbits and was trying to find a new home for them. And of course, my mom was like, all right, Larissa, we're going, you know, dad's at work. Let's go. <laughs> so, we'll hide it under one of the other rabbits. I'll never notice. So we go to this woman's house somewhere in the valley of Southern California. We're, you know, getting ready to pack up these two beautiful rabbits. And I don't remember why. Again, she was getting rid of them. But we I had forgotten something in the car. My mom had a minivan at the time. And, um, you know, the technology was not like it is now. So she gave me the key to go grab whatever it was in the car. I grabbed it. I left the key inside. I closed the door and the key was locked in the car. And of course, we had to call my dad to come <laughs> say <save us. laughs> And my mom was livid with me because were the rabbits already in the car? No, the rabbits okay. were in the house, but it meant we couldn't leave with the rabbits and yet had to explain why we were at this random house in the valley. There are no rabbits in this box. You're crazy. <laughs> Oh, my God. Those are just some funny stories that I haven't thought of in a while that came to mind. My gosh, (laughs) I love that. Okay, so. Talk to us now about like what your role is, what you're doing in the animal welfare community. Um, Yeah, I'm excited to learn like what this has all led to. Like these are fascinating stories. And it's 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 crazy because I've got two boys. I've got a 10 year old and an eight year old. <clears throat> which ironically he's starting at a new school and his, one of his teachers is already asking him for advice on what to do about dogs that chew up like headphones and things like that. So, so hearing your stories and then hearing what it has led to is um, kind of inspiring to me. So like, yeah. So what is, what are your stories? Thank led you. to? Yeah. I got a little sideline there uh, in the midst of no all such that. Thing. So, so, okay. My mom, put the love of animals into me. Then when I became a news, um, a news, I became a journalist. So I was an anchor and a reporter and a producer. And I was living in these little kind of, you know, different towns on the West coast, making a name for myself and getting, you know, my feet wet in the industry. And I was working for the most part morning shows. So I was up at 1am and I would be working from 3am to noon. And then I'd have to go back to bed around five or six in the afternoon. Um, And so making friends was not easy because nobody else, you know, works that schedule. So I started volunteering at shelters because that was something I always loved and did growing up a little bit here and there. And I finally had time to really devote to it. So I started wherever I was living, working or volunteering at, you know, the city county shelters. And that's when I really saw how horrific the situation was because I mean, it's never, it's a revolving door. It's never ending. I'd be so excited that I'd help somebody fall in love with a cat to be adopted. And I'd hear over the loudspeaker, you know, a, you know, couple with 18 cats at intake. And it was like, Oh my God, you know, I got one out the door and here's 18 coming in. And it just really opened my eyes to how just how we are drowning in animals and 
there are good people and there are bad people, but it doesn't matter when you do the math, there's, there's nowhere for them to go. You know, a lot of shelters are great. A lot of shelter workers are great. A lot are there for a paycheck and aren't there for the animals, but regardless, you can have your heart and soul in it. And there are not, there's just not enough homes. There's not enough space. And so that's what really got me started even more um, in the animal welfare world and just kind of, speaking up and doing what I could. And so using my news platform, I was always trying to bring awareness to amazing people in the communities doing great work or, you know, uh, horrible situations going on that were kind of being unreported or, you know, the shelter implementing a new cool program, whatever it was, you know, I was always begging my news directors to let me do some fun or just interesting stories on the animals of the community. And, you know, sometimes they'd say yes. A lot of times they were like, nobody cares. It's not, you know, we, if it bleeds, it leads is the thing, you know, people care about, you know, crazy, horrible situations in local news. They're not always that interested in feel good and and fluffy kittens. Um, And so, you know, I did what I could, but I kind of quickly became in every city known as the go-to animal person. Um, And then when I ended up over at Hallmark, I was solely working behind the scenes as a producer. And then they decided as a network that they wanted to do more animal rescue content. And I was like, okay, you know, sign me me up. Yeah. (laughs) What can I do? I have, you know, I have contacts, I have story ideas, I can put together, you know, pitches, whatever. And basically, the, the amazing uh, CEO at the time was like, great, make it happen. I mean, it was kind of like, I like you, you know what you're doing. This is obviously your wheelhouse. You know how to be on camera and behind the camera. So make it happen. And so it was a crazy couple of years making it happen and growing the Adoption Ever After initiative, which was Hallmark's big, you know, animal saving mission. And it just, it was crazy. It was busy. I had no time to breathe, but it was wonderful. And it was such an amazing accomplishment and it helped save, you know, through my efforts on the show, Home and Family, we found a little under 2000 animals a home, but I know that the ripple effect was much larger because I had amazing people writing to me saying, you know, I never even thought about not going to a puppy store or a breeder. That's all I ever knew growing up, growing up. But because of you, I went to my local shelter, you know, things like that made me just so happy and proud. So I know that it really did open people's eyes up to the, the issue that maybe most of them never knew about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's how the stepping stones led me to to kind of, you know, what I was doing over at Hallmark. I think that's such a, such an important aspect about the rescue community is that, um, and I like, we've seen it a lot and we often want to lead with, and you brought it up. If it, if it bleeds, it leads. Right. And so we share these horrific stories about the animals, but it doesn't, I don't, I don't know that that inspires people to adopt like that. To me, that inspires fear. Like, Oh my God, well, what if something is wrong? What if they would attack my kid or anything like that? So what you've done, like really to flip it on its head and show those positive stories and, and the, the love that becomes behind rescues and getting rid of that stigma. Like that's, that's my heartstrings right there. Love that. Well, it's a good point. You know, I've always, 
I was inspired by the Sarah McLaughlin commercials, which you're bawling by the end of it. Uh-huh. And so I kind of expected everyone to feel that way. But after being in this world so much, you know, I've realized a lot of that can be a, a big turnoff to people. Um, and interestingly enough, working for Hallmark Channel, which, you know, is white picket fences. Everybody's happy. Totally. There's the happily ever after it, you know, at the end of everything. Um, <laughs> it kind of forced me in a way that wasn't natural at first to mm. always make sure things were in a positive light. That it felt good. Yeah. And I'm actually thankful for that experience because, again, when you're in the midst of it all and you just want people to understand, sometimes you do just want to be like, look, this is look at these horrible situations. But that doesn't um, hit the same way with a lot of people, as opposed Mm -hmm. to showing kind of this amazing, beautiful dog that, you know, has brought so much to someone and, and, and always kind of ending on a positive note or a, you can do something about this. You know, maybe this is a horrible situation, but here are four things you can do today that will help as opposed to just being like, you know, they're all dying. Everything's horrible. You're killing the animals. Yeah, exactly. So I appreciate you bringing that up. And and yeah, it wasn't natural to me at first, but I'm glad I had the uh, opportunity to grow that, that side of my thinking as well. Okay, we're gonna take a quick break. And we'll be right back. <laughs> so last time we talked about um, a story that you had from when you were a kid that really impacted you. So let's fast forward now to we're doing things with Hallmark and we have these amazing animals that we're featuring. Is there a story in there that has really left an imprint on your heart? Absolutely. So many. I mean, we did um, on our show, we did what we called our happy tale segments where we, you know, followed up on a lot of the animals that were adopted, if not all of them. That's awesome. It was so, I mean, it was, that was part of kind of my job was to connect with the rescues over time and continuously track down which animals had been adopted that we had showcased and find out if the families were interested in doing a follow-up segment, which was, you know, amazing Uh, to see them in their environment now and to hear from the humans how great everything's been going or that there were some challenges that they had to work through and, you know, being real about it. Cause not every story is, is amazing right off the bat. There's always some time and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, patience that needs to take place. So it was really, really wonderful. And there was one story in particular, one dog, I should say a dog named Brody who I actually, so that same CEO that gave me this amazing opportunity really liked this dog that I posted on Instagram from my local shelter in LA or one of the the local shelters. Um, And so I just thought, you know, I think that's a sign. I need to pull this dog out. I need to, maybe he'll adopt Brody, maybe someone else will, but like, it was just a sign for me. So I pulled Brody out of the shelter. Brody was this white or cream looking Cocker Spaniel mix. He looked like the dog from Never Ending Story, Falcor. He looked just like Falcor. And he was sweet as can be, but he had this huge fatty mass on him. He was older and he had this huge fatty mass kind of on his abdomen. And, um, 
And it was fine. He, it didn't hurt him or anything, but it didn't look pretty. And I'm sure it would stop a lot of people from adopting him. So we got that removed and he was thriving in my house. And, you know, I started kind of posting him and I showed him on the show once as an adoptable dog. And I think I got a few people that wrote to me asking questions, but none of them lived close by. So I wanted to keep him local. And then I ended up showing him on the show a while later because the poor thing, well, not the poor thing, he was loving life, just was staying at my house and, you know, life was going on and it was great. He was easy as can be. All I and can I see think- is Falcor rolled up in front of the, the table, like on the road, like this giant fluffy white he, dog. I mean, that's what he was. He looked just like Falcor. Um, so he came back on the show And I was contacted by a woman who lived down in Corona, California, and she just sounded lovely. And she said, you know, I saw Brody the first time you showed him, but my daughter was getting married. I had so much on my plate. I didn't even think to actually reach out to you. And I figured he had been adopted. I mean, it's been a couple months and I caught him on the second showing and I'd love more information. So I connected with her. You know, of course, you never know if these people are 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 legit or, you know, anything about them. They're, or they're strangers. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're complete strangers. Something about her. I, I liked this, you know, just felt good. So I actually brought Brody over to her place to meet her and her family. And they couldn't have been lovelier. I mean, it was like walking into a Hallmark channel movie house on a set. I mean, Everybody that she baked me cookies. We chatted. She had an, you oh know, other. Res- I mean, she had a couple other rescue dogs, a rescue cat. All her kids were over. She had already made a name tag for him. I mean, this was before I even knew if I was going to leave him with that. Um, oh, she knew. I have the chills. <laughs> she knew. She knew. And. You know, and I did because, you know, it just it was lovely. And and I explained that he had marked a few times in my house. So I had his little belly band on and I said, if that becomes a problem or if anything becomes a problem, I'm happy. You know, I'll take him back in an instant. No questions asked. You know, don't don't even think about giving him anywhere else. Um, And we stayed in contact and Brody just had the best couple years of his life there. He passed on, you know, in the in a peaceful manner. And she has since rescued her and her family have rescued four other animals of mine. Um, another oh. dog and two, uh, two dogs and two cats. So five in total. And they are wow. just amazing. And that, that's just one of those stories where not only did I find these, you know, this, friendship you know not that we talk every day but her family is great they send me cards and letters and texts um but i but i also was able to find five animals this wonderful home out of a show that i never would have ever met this lady or anyone in her family so those are the kinds of things that are just beautiful to me i just want to like sidebar really quick and say that if a Hallmark producer says that your home and family are like out of a Hallmark <laughs> film, that is a very high compliment. Like <laughs> it was true. I mean, who has cookies baking for you when you walk in the door? <laughs> I mean, it, like it sounds maybe a little bit like a show you produce, but I'm, but it's real life. So that's, yeah, you know, no, it, that's it, amazing. 
It was amazing. And as I said, the hallmark ending, if you will, 100% and such a lovely family and just uh, just feel good all the way around. And and there are so many stories like that, to be honest. But that one, because they were local to me and so we have kept in touch so much is the first one that comes to mind. I love that. Okay, so. Where are you now? That was my question. Like, where are we gone? Like, Like, what? Because you said Hallmark, it's all past tense. Right. So home and family, my my baby of babies, um, they did not renew that for the 10th season. So nine seasons seasons. is like amazing. Nine seasons. So, yes, I mean, in two years. Wait, what? No, no, no. It's the show itself was on for nine nine years. Um, I was part of it for six. So I was still working in news the first few. And it wasn't until I left news that I got brought into to the show. So excuse me. Um, So yeah, you know, it was look, anyone in TV or entertainment of any platform knows, you know, all good things come to an end, even though you don't want them to. So it was one of those. It was bittersweet. You know, we we absolutely love each other, both the crew on camera and off camera truly are a family. We still talk Um, and we're hoping to resurrect the show possibly somewhere else down the line, you know, I was going to say, I think we need a reunion tour somewhere. Listen, maybe a little different, maybe, you know, a slightly, um, who knows, edgier or topical or whatever, but something similar. I don't know. Um, but, you know, we're all kind of continuing our work in in our own capacities. And I certainly, you know, animals were my life before the show there. It's funny because I think pe- some people thought that that was my role on the show, but it really is my role <laughs> like as a human. <laughs> So, you know, that's never going to stop. And I also do some freelance work for some other, you know, for some other local L.A. shows and animal shows. So I'm staying busy. Um, But, you know, we we all miss each other. But, you know, we stay in contact and hoping, you know, out to the universe that we're back at some point somewhere. So that's that's the hope. Oh, somewhere. Oh, so, so what is going on right now? Like what other kind of things are you working on or who are you working with like shelters or like sure. what, yeah. What, what kind of drives your days right now? Oh my goodness. So it's kind of nonstop, you know, I mean, so there's a few other shows that I've done some freelance work for, which is uh, to the rescue, which airs in LA on CBS. Um, there's animal zone, which is an awesome kind of uh, it, it airs on Cox cable every Saturday. And it's a 30 minute program that, talks and highlights all the wonderful people that are doing great things in the animal world. And then I do segments for KTLA, you know, KCBS, KMBC, all of the different, you know, local stuff when there's something that, uh, you know, that I can discuss on the news channels. Um, And then right now I'm also kind of putting together a, a show of my own that I'm developing with a few other executive producers um, that would kind of follow around kind of similar to what you love to do, um, you know, kind of traveling the country, working with animals and shelters. So I can't say too much about it, but that is something that we're in the process. Yeah, you'll have to come back and say too much about it on the next show. Then <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be happy to let's again, put that out into the universe that it's going to all come to come into reality. And I can tell you everything. 
Very exciting. So I yeah. see. No, go ahead. Continue. I was also going to say, you know, I have my three rescues. One. I was of, just going to talk about that. <laughs> one of which is here in Nashville, upstairs hiding. Um, and interestingly enough, something that I've been going through with her is a very bizarre behavior change. She's older. She's about, we, we really don't know, maybe 10, 11. And she's always been my baby, but antisocial. And she's become increasingly more antisocial as the years have gone on. And so that's just a, an interesting thing that I've been dealing with because she started getting aggressive with me recently, which was very out of the ordinary. And um, and so I took her into the vet and she did have some some issues with her mouth. So we were handling that. But just a note that from somebody who, you know, tries to stay up to date on everything with my animals and animals around the country, you know, you just never know. It's always a learning process. There's always trial and error. And I was beside myself to see my little baby suddenly, you know, trying to bite me. And, and so it's, you know, there's always things to learn. And as you know, as a trainer, it's, you, no dog is like any other dog <laughs> and nope. as they get older or experience different situations. They change too. And you need to kind of mm-hmm. learn and ha- how to change with them. Well, gosh, my parents are getting older and they're changing too. Did they try to bite you? <laughs> Honestly, I, I feel like my dad, maybe. <laughs> is he trying to bite you? You know, it's less physical, more emotional. <laughs> it's emotionally biting. <laughs> All right. On that note, we'll take a quick break. Go for it. We're back. Yeah, no, we we love it. Like when, when, uh, get in there, girl. Like tell us. So you have a passion for fostering. I have a huge passion for fostering um, dogs and cats. And it's funny, I, I only fostered dogs for years. But then as we just were discussing last, uh, you know, before the break, as my dogs have gotten older and a little bit more curmudgeon-y. Um, I started- <laughs> Crusty. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a little attitude-y. Um, they haven't been as open to random dogs coming into their space. I can't understand why. Um, oh. and so, so I actually have turned to fostering kittens more recently. And, you know, I grew up with cats and I love cats, but it was never something I really thought I'd get back into because I kind of became such a dog person. But I've got to say, fostering kittens is such a fun experience. And I would love to tell all your viewers, you know, whether it's dogs or cats or seniors or kittens and puppies, fostering to me is such a win-win. Um, you know, obviously you have to expect that you, you might have some accidents around the house or, you know, there's always these dogs and cats are coming into your home. They don't always know what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. So there's that. But But that's such a small portion in my mind, seeing these animals transform from being broken, um, scared, just unsocial to these beautiful creatures who are loving life and sprawled out on the couch and asking for belly rubs or coming to nuzzle up, you know, on the side of you while you're watching TV. That to me makes it all worthwhile. And also, 
while it's obviously the priority is helping these animals decompress and learn how to be the best pets they can be so that they find forever homes. It is such a beautiful thing to do for your community because as we all know, sitting here, rescues and shelters, especially right now with kind of this post-pandemic wave are so strapped. They're so full, especially with large dogs because you know most people can agree to take in a small dog for a temporary amount of time, but large dogs take more space and more um, time commitment. And you, know, you kind of want to know what you're getting into a little bit more because a large dog can obviously be a little bit more, uh, you know, can do a little bit more damage if they're going to than a small dog, but most don't, but that's just my- well, and- Um, Kind of back to something you said about um, helping an animal transition from, you know, the stresses that they're going through. One of the other things that I've learned is oftentimes you can keep them from becoming more stressed. So these animals are going through a very stressful environment to take them. And if their best scenario and the best circumstance they have at the time is to go to a shelter and be around the other loud barking dogs and cats, then that's better than just on the streets. But if they have a foster home to be able to go into, to avoid being in the concrete cell and avoid all of the, like they are scared animals. And anybody that's a dog mom or a dog dad knows exactly what it looks like to see, you know, that scared animal. So these foster families that can bring in these animals to keep them from going into this system deeply and developing that anxiety and developing um, those stresses, like you're, you're helping on that. So you're not you're not always going to get an animal that's like freaked out and broken or anything like that. A lot of times you're getting an animal that is just excited to be in a warm house with somebody that is going to love them. 100%. I don't think people realize what a vicious cycle it is for an animal to go into the shelter, an animal that may be completely balanced and beautiful and healthy over time, like any human would breaks down in a shelter environment. Mm -hmm. And then when they're taken out of that environment, there's a a time period to get them back to where they were. And even still, like they'll never really go back. Like they're always going to have like PTSD. Some of them develop separation anxiety because Mm -hmm. they don't get love and affection. So when they finally get up, they're like, I'm never letting you go, you know? So (laughs) These things happen. And that's another reason on the flip side, why fostering, at least in my opinion, is so great because it sets that animal up to find the best forever home Mm -hmm. off the bat. Whereas a lot of times when animals are adopted from a shelter, you know, they're going to a house and then, you know, more times than not, they're returned for some reason. And then maybe they're adopted again and then maybe they're returned again. And so when they do finally find that forever home, there are so many kind of layers of of fear that have developed in that animal. Whereas if you can kind of intervene and as you said, Jason, take that animal straight away, they don't have to go into the shelter. You know, their quirks, you know, what scares them, what makes them happy, what training they already have or might need, then you can, and the rescue obviously can find that perfect match out of the gate. 
and stop them from kind of bouncing from place to place to place because you've learned so much more invaluable information about an animal. So, I mean, as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, it's such a win-win in so many ways, obviously first and foremost for the animal, but also for you as a human, it's a very satisfying and beautiful experience. And for the shelter system, for the rescues, for your community in general, it, it can help relieve or alleviate some of the, the, the over, you know, stress, the overcrowding, the, just all of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I love fostering and, you know, for kittens, all you need is a bathroom, basically for, you know, a dog, depending on your time and space, you can, you know, obviously pick one that fits for you and is something you can um, easily take on, but it's just such a beautiful experience. And I, I absolutely love it. I'm actually very sad that I can't do more dog fostering right now. And I've kind of decided now I say this now that one day in the far future, when my three rescue babies have passed, I may just be a foster because it is harder to do sometimes if you have dogs that aren't as open to it. So I, I thought maybe I would kind of clear that space just to be kind of a continuous dog foster because cool. it's so needed. So I say that now, who knows? <laughs> well, and I think the we'll, other, see. we'll check in with you next time. <laughs> the other part that's great is it's an awesome, like uh, kind of referencing back to your dad. When you have somebody in the family, that's not too sure about bringing an animal into the family like everybody that I've talked to that has a foster program, they are very excited for just the, the try system, like just try. And if it doesn't work out, we're more than happy to take them back and find them another good home. Like um, when you go other routes of bringing animals into your home, like you're kind of either you're going to be a good guy or you're a bad guy. You're either keeping the animal because they're a part of your family or you're surrendering them. And then you're, you know, the evil villain of all of our stories. Versus if you're fostering, you kind of get to do the same thing, but you just get to find the perfect fit for your family because not all dogs, it, all dogs deserve to be loved and all cats deserve to be loved. And there's a perfect fit, but it's more like dating as opposed to having a child. You're like, ah, this didn't work out. Going to send them back into the foster system until they find their perfect home. And until I find the perfect partner for me. It's just a, the, the whole thing is just great. And I don't think people realize some of the bigger shelters have huge foster systems. I want to like jump up and down. I'm so happy you said that. I was talking about this yesterday with a, a, a talk I was doing that fostering is almost, and I don't say this lightly, this term, but you're kind of taking dogs for a test drive. Right. And again, it is a commitment. It needs to be taken seriously. It's not a disposable thing. So I don't want people to get the wrong idea when I say that term, but you are, you're temporarily bringing in different animals into your home, which is such a great learning experience for you. Is this even the right time to take on a full-time commitment? Do you like small dogs, big dogs, meaty dogs, dogs that have a lot of energy, dogs that are couch potatoes, um, you know, shedding dogs, non-shedding dogs. You get to learn so much about the different personalities and breeds and traits that you would never get to do if you just picked one dog. Now that's great too. If you just adopt a dog and that, you know, happily ever after, but it's such a great experience to go through. And sometimes all 
I'll sign up to foster animals with special needs or mm-hmm. seniors or, you know, issues I've never even heard of just for that learning experience Yeah, because it gives you so Listen, much. All of our dogs are going to get old one day. Yeah. You know? I look at it like, you know, and this might be because whatever, but like wedding dress shopping, like you're not always going to go, go to the shelter and find the one and walk out that day and be like ah, forever. Like, I mean, it's contractable on and that's no big deal. All right. On that note, <laughs> we have come to the end of our show. Ooh. No, I know. Well, until the, we can't bring you back to, to do we'll the, the, the story that you can't talk about yet until we end yet. the show. So like, I know, but if you've never heard one of our episodes before, Larissa, we do end our shows in a very special way. Yes. I always love time. your introduction to this. I mean, I try to, I like, I want to pump Jason up, you know what I mean? But it's, it's definitely uh, dog dad joke time. So Jason, do you have one queued up for us today? I do. I do. I'm okay. kind of excited about it. You ready? Yep. Why was the, uh, why was the, why was the Dalmatian hiding from the cops? He didn't want to be spotted. <laughs> I literally was just going to say that. I was thinking of something with spot. But I didn't want to be spotted. That's good. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm glad I didn't there blur that. I would have ruined the joke. Oh, no, that's why I jumped in. I, I knew it was one. If I gave you guys enough time, you, you'd be like, there's there's something with spots here. <laughs> so, if you, so if anybody else is going to use that joke, make sure you don't wait on the punchline too long. <laughs> get it out. Just get it out. It's lowbrow. People are going to get it. Just you get it first. <laughs> I love it. That was a good one. I'm going to have to tell that to someone today. There you yes. go. All right. Larissa, thank you <laughs> Thanks so, so, much, Larissa. so much for joining us. This was so fun. Any excellent fun. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely do it again. Okay, yes. great. Okay. Thank you. Yay. All right. I want to thank everybody that joined us on today's show. I especially want to thank especially? Larissa. I know, especially. It's it's still early. I need, I need a little bit more coffee. But uh, I want to thank Larissa. That was a lot of fun getting to talk with her and, and learn about her journey. And, uh, like I said, we started, you know, just her being so heavily influenced by her mom and how that's gone on to create this foster like queen, like she's just crushing it and all of this stuff going on with Hallmark and she's got the, the new plan. So thank you, especially to Larissa and thank you to everybody who joined us. If you haven't already, make sure that you've hit the follow or the subscribe on the podcast and go to check out Larissa on her, um, on her Instagram account. It's just Larissa at, sorry, at Larissa wall, W O H L on Instagram. Um, she'll be sharing stuff there. Um, and if there's and anything, as always give us a follow at the doggish podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And double down on that one. And then, um, if there's a topic or event or personality that you would love to hear on the show, reach out, let us know. We're always looking for new ideas that we can put on there. And it's that time of year. We're going to be down in Kansas city uh, on October 10th for the straight light savings event. So make sure you look for some information coming out on that very soon. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Come hang out with us over at bar K uh, dog bar, which is a blast. If you've never been there, it's definitely the place to be. I just got back. It's like donkey wonderland. I you know, didn't want to leave. We're going to have to do like a little, uh, intermediate show mm-hmm. and and you can feel the same on it yeah yeah okay all right till next time bye